When we talk about quitting smoking... When my first child was born, for them... Obviously money. We talk about why so much. Health for myself. My family. I'm a mom. It becomes part of the habit. The smell of my clothes. You've already talked about why you want to quit. So let's start talking about how. If you stop smoking for 28 days, you're five times more likely to quit for good. For tips, tools and real support, visit quit.ie or free phone 1-800-201-203 and make the next stop your last stop. From the HSE. Hey, thanks very much for downloading the Manchester Football Social Podcast. This is the Monday night edition. Of course, you could be listening to it any time, but it means Statman Dave's over there. Back again to talk about football stats. Mm-hmm. And Steve's over there. I'm um, indeed. I'm uh, over here. We're going to talk about the FA Cup draw because it's going to happen during, well, at the very end of the show, the FA Cup draw happens. So it happens in a minute. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. So hang around for that. Also, I'm going to play a little game, boys. We're going to try this. We're going to trial this today, <laughs> okay? Point. I'm going to give you the length of the podcast to work out. Should I be nervous? I'm thinking of a 90s footballer. You have to guess who it is. Okay. Oh, it's... Uh, it's uh, uh, oh, I'm Kevin guess. Campbell. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh. Could be a very long game, this. Right, we'll do it after <laughs> the podcast. And the podcast is now. Manchester Football Social. Reds, blues, whites, yellows, this is your place to talk about your football team. Make sure you get involved on tonight's Manchester Football Social. The phone number 0345 7625. The text number 87711. Or you can always bob us a tweet at MCR Footy Social. Have your say on whatever is still bugging you after the weekend's football. I'm Jim, I'm going to be refereeing this evening and I've got our reps from both halves of the city opposite me. We've got Statman Dave for United. Cheers, how's it going Jim, you good? I'm very good sir, thank you. Excellent, today I wanted to bring up the discussion. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer versus Pochettino again, Manchester United beating Arsenal pretty convincingly 3-1 in the FA Cup, you know, getting through to the fifth round, so I want to get, get involved. On the uh, the phone, again, ring in. The number you want to call there is 035-111-7625. I just had to get so the stats cool. working so in my brain, you, but get involved. You missed a digit out, but oh, uh, who's, who's counting? 0345 <laughs> is the number to call. And we got Steve McInerney for City. Hello. You all right, Jim? I'm good. Yeah, well, today we're going to be talking about uh, the most important person, in my opinion, at Manchester City Football Club, Vincent Company. Now, apparently, he might not be offered a new contract due to his injuries because the board aren't sure about it, but surely he's just too important not to be around next season. Blues, we you want your opinions, obviously. Get involved on that number Dave just tried to put out there. Um, essentially, get in, get on the text as well, and let us know on Twitter at Manchester Football Social what you think and if he should be here next season. 0345-111-7625 is the number. We're obviously <laughs> previewing the games tomorrow night as well because there are midweeks Premier League fixtures. We'll be looking back at the FA Cup games for United and City. Two victories for them, but I think that Vinnie Company debate is a great place to start because undoubtedly Vinnie Company is a City legend. He's a, le- he's a symbol of where the club has been and where the club's got to. He is a leader on and off the pitch, but... He's also a player that surely has had his time as a first eleven and is now in the twilight of his career. And City don't need that kind of player, do they, Steve? Yeah, but we need him as a person. And you only got to look at the Liverpool game as well. He was absolutely fantastic at that game. And yes, he is, his, his ability is on the wane. But for someone of his stature and his influence in the team, uh, for him to be happy to be fourth choice, which he probably is happy to be there because mm. he loves this club, you can't underestimate having someone that important around the team, around the squad, around the Etihad in general. To me, it's an absolute no-brainer. If he wants to be here until he's 45 to me, just give him the contract. <laughs> Honestly, find a job for him somewhere. Get him in the canteen. Get him doing whatever he wants. Because Vincent Company, more than anyone, he genuinely like bleeds blue blood. If you cut him in half, that's all would be there. He even married a Mancunian. You know, like he lives here, he loves the place, his kids no doubt have Mancunian accents. To me, he is everything that symbolises this journey that we've come on. Uh, he was young, he was kind of scrawny back then, and now he's this kind of statesman, this worldwide kind of famous person that encapsulates this club better than anyone. And I absolutely love him. Seriously, he's my uh, the one person that I'm going to 
to be more upset when he goes than anyone. He should have. He has to be here. He just has to be. I did love to see those videos of him celebrating in the pub with a load of Manchester oh, City fans amazing. when they won. Was it the title? Was it after the title victory? Yeah, it was season? after, um, uh, obviously, when United, uh, West Brom, I think they drew, wasn't it? Or something like mm. that. Um, which was a good time. And the game was a league. And then also, as well, you watched that game with his missus and his stepdad's a United fan as well. So he watched that and he was given all the history drives and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Vinny's a legend. He just has to be here. And that's what I want to hear what people as well, other Blues think as well. I think we've got a few people called in later and discuss it, haven't we? I think it's a really interesting talking point. But very quickly, before we get on to the callers, because we have got a couple of callers lined up who want their say on whether Vinny Company should stay or go, just take us through the story, because, I mean, there seems to be a bit of debate here, and normally it seems like Manchester City is this harmonious place and everyone's agreeing getting on, but essentially there's two sides to this, with some people in the club wanting Vinny to stay, it seems, and some not wanting to offer him a new contract. It's gone full circle, actually, because when Guardiola came in, apparently he wasn't that keen on him in terms of, like, uh, obviously moving forward and progressing the squad, and the board was saying, no, you've got to keep him around because he's that important, he obviously has that connection with the fans and uh, the connection with the old and the new, um, and now it's actually apparently according to some sources got like it's fully reversed now the board aren't happy with offering him an extension on his contract worth about 200k a week mm. because of the amount of games time he plays whereas Pep's saying no he's dead important like he's got that leader status still and to me no, Pep's totally right like he's worth that 200k just for his stature alone and you don't you can't buy a replacement like Vincent Company even like Virgil van Dijk as good as he is he still doesn't have that statesmanly approach that Vincent well, Company has well if that's has. the case Steve when do you get rid of him surely the primary when he wants to go when he, on his terms well, well, he doesn't want to go he's, he's there <laughs> he's, going to some point, he's he? there to play football right yeah and he's, he's a footballer enough. he's there to play football if he's playing 50% of the games why pay him 200 grand a week because you're he's Vincent of, Company you're one of the richest clubs in the world you can probably afford any centre back you could be investing in the next Laporte now the next Vinny Company now and bringing them through rather than hanging on to a player that you don't need and won't <laughs> we do need him though we do job of playing football how, how many teams would take Vincent Company now I tell you pretty much everyone would snap our hands off which says it all because not for 200 grand a week they wouldn't because he isn't yes enough. but some people are worth that money when they've done what they can for this club and for me Vincent Company like he's earned every penny he gets he's earned it more than anyone else in that team because of what he stands for and what he represents to this club and for me if you, if you wanted a quarter of a minute I'd give it him for another five years because <laughs> I, I, do you know what I'll find a way to pay it myself because Vinny you could not leave this club like he is why you're talking important. a bit worried about what else should give Vinny company <laughs> <laughs> I've seen fire festival Vin- <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go to the fucks. Oh, we got Greg on the line evening Greg <laughs> G'day, how are you boys? Very good, my friend. Thanks for coming on. So what about VK? Are we keeping him at Manchester City? Are we offering him a new contract or is it time to move on? I'm a little bit split on it because, um, because as Stephen was saying, he does have a massive impact in the dressing room. And it's easy to say he's just a footballer and he just has one job. But he doesn't because he's been the leader of this club for the last 10 years, which um, of course has been a massive transition period. But, on the other hand, the players that we'll be looking at to replace him are truly world-class players and we're not mm. going to go for anything less. So, you know, the positives are there if he does make way. Uh, so, it's, it's such a split one. I wouldn't mind him seeing him go because, you know, he's had a great run. The only thing I'd be disappointed about is if, please, I hope it happens, we actually do win the Champions League and Vinny's already gone. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I think he's... He succeeded as much as he can do at this club without the Champions League. So it might just be time for him to uh, to call it a day now. Do you not think, Greg, that he's still got something left as like a fourth choice, given how good he was against Liverpool? I do, absolutely, yeah. But um, yeah, I'd be happy to hear, see him stay, of course. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be that heartbroken to see him go at this point. Um, last season, I think, would have been you know a season too soon. But now we're settled into this Guardiola era where... He's got very specific plays he needs. But, you know, but to be fair, in Pep, I trust. If he says Vinny should stay, he's probably making the right decision in that. Is not this idea of needing a leader, needing a captain on the pitch, a bit outdated now? Because you look through Premier League football no teams way. now, and there's no, very no. few... I think fans love this idea of going, we need a Vincent Company, we need a Roy Keane. But I think now... Football's moved on in a way, and so few teams have that one player on the pitch to drive the team forward. Is that because they don't need him, or is that because those kind of players just don't really exist anymore? Which then, from your point of view, Steve, adds to the value of Vinnie Company. Exactly. 
To me, uh, the fact that um, he does exist and he's maybe one of the last of a dying breed is more of a reason to keep him because he sets the standards. And I still maintain that Liverpool game, we would not have won that if he wasn't on the pitch because I think the reason Bernardo Silvans, although a lot ran as hard as he did, was because they had a captain there right. cajoling them up. And I remember last season as well, he barely played anything. Then he played in the Carabao Cup final and everyone said he was dated and slow and he pocketed a Yang in terms of pace as well, which was weird and had a huge game for us. And his influence on the bigger stage, he just honestly... You you can't pay for that. You can't. If you could bottle it up, it'd be worth absolutely billions. That essence, and ah, oh, I, I can't imagine him going. I just can't. Greg, cheers for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, lad. See ya. Cheers, Congratulations Greg. on your incredibly noisy indicator. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's turning left for hours there. Wasn't <laughs> that, was that the time <laughs> setting on Vincent Company metaphorically? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be very quiet during this debate so far. Yeah, no, I, I was. I was waiting for the, the city fans to get involved because I think one of the things that I kind of agree with Steve is that. You've got someone like Vincent Company that seems like a very, very intelligent bloke that you need to keep at your football club. It's a similar thing to, look, City's recent history is built on Vincent Company, yeah. and y to lose someone like Vincent Company would be stupid. City need to, you know, they need to continue the growth of their football club and the institution that is Manchester City and the, the City group, should we say. One way to do that is to get these ex-players and to continue them at the club in, in some mm. capacity, like an Ajax with Edwin van der Sar as the CEO, Overmars as Director of Football, or Bayern Munich have done it for years. That's a smart footballing model, and what City have done, or the City group have done, done some pretty smart things to be quite honest so that's I'm kind of with you to be honest I don't know whether I'd be paying him 200 grand I'd probably offer him yeah. a, a lesser fee performance space maybe or something like that no, no because I don't think I think that's a slight on Vincent Company if you got, like you're offering a performance based thing where he's going to get paid on appearances his problem at the moment has been injuries yeah, I guess. because of what he's done you've got to give him that level of respect yeah. City's wage structure is a little bit interesting with the you know they're losing out on the likes of Frankie de Jong Fred and all the guys previously so it's one of these things it's a statement I think it's a statement for City for City fans and Vincent Company to keep him thing as well I think Vincent will actually go when he knows he's ready to go I, I don't think he's going to overstay his welcome to the point of it but I think you can justifiably say he's still got something in the tank to be useful for that squad because he's proved it this season when he has played um, and I think he would uh, I think next season would be his last I think he'd choose that as well I think it'd be very surprising if he left City altogether and you've got the City network globally where teams in New York and teams in Melbourne and surely he has some role sort of return there he's yeah. probably going to be a politician knowing it's a company I wouldn't be surprised if he's leading you away for 10 years on the line doesn't that make him such a great proposition for, does, yeah. for City not as a footballer as somebody in their business be it coach be it manager be it CEO but it seems like he is very very switched on as an individual oh, yeah. and it'd be great for Manchester I think that's the other thing he does a lot of good work in, for charities there's a lot of homeless yeah. charity work which is Everyone good for Manchester him. as a city so you know maybe if you guys discard him you're going to ruin Manchester Get him into FIFA. <laughs> then those FFP things will disappear. Jim, don't do that. The callers are going to come in we flying thick and fast with that. We need our own David Gill on the inside, essentially. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> right, speaking of which, we've got Charlie on the phone. Evening, Charlie. Evening, how are we doing? Very well, my friend. What are your thoughts on Vincent Company? Well, I think the thing is with Vincent Company that people forget is, he, as you guys have been saying, he is an absolute man mountain. He is Mr. Manchester City. And there's a quite a similar case when you look at John Terry in his final years at Chelsea, and people thought he was done, you know, he couldn't do it on the big stage anymore. But they gave him a pay-as-you-play contract, so every time he did play, he'd get paid. And I don't see why they can't do that with Vincent Company. But it wasn't John Terry, and correct me if I'm wrong, my memory of John Terry hanging on a... Chelsea was not a dignified end to his career. He didn't really fit in. He had that ridiculous moment in his final game where he was subbed on the 26th minute. He had, he had, a, he had an unnecessary amount of power in that dressing room that did not help the club move forward when it needed to. And I know they're different personalities. I'd definitely say so as well. And I think you're completely right. And as you were saying earlier, the fact is, this company is an incredibly intelligent and incredibly articulate man. He has a, a business degree from the University of Manchester. It just proves the level of intelligence he actually has. But mm. I don't see why, you know, if Patrick Vieira can then go on to New York City after a few years at Manchester City, this company can't decide, you know, I can stay on. I might not play as much as I want to. And, you know, the injuries have been niggling him for years now. They can't just say, do you know what? I'm going to learn from Pep. You know, I can be a defensive coach under him if the position becomes available. I might go afterwards to New York for a year or two, you know, get a bit of the um, American lifestyle. I don't come back as an ambassador. 
And if that was the case, then I think that'd be the perfect send-off for him. But there is always the question, he doesn't deserve £200,000 a week if he's going to play. You know, if he took half the actual wage and then went on a um, page to play, I think that'd be perfect for all parties involved. But surely Vinny Company, as you say, he's an intelligent man. He'll know as well as anybody how little he has played over the last four years, how injuries mm-hmm. have blighted his career. Why would you take a pay-as-you-play? Why would you not take a better contract? I mean, and I know footballers earn ridiculous amounts of money, but still, when it gets towards the end of their career, they want those big money contracts to kind of see out the last couple of years of their career. So why would he accept a pay-as-you-play contract? Because he loves the club? I think he does love the club, and it's really interesting. I mean, they say that Barcelona were after him, you know, as an emergency centre-back, and the sort of pull, as Pep was saying earlier in his press conference with Frank Dion, you can't compete with the Real Madrid and Barcelona's. But, you know, with Vincent Company, you'd like to think, as a fan, he's been there for 10 years or so, and that, you know, his wife is Manchurian as well, his kids are going to school there, he has family. If you see the Amazon documentary when he's watching the game against Old Trafford, I think he's quite settled. There's no reason for him to leave, and he's got... I'd like to think he would want to stay for, you know, his wife, his kids, but... You know, it's down to him when it comes down to it. So you just never know with players. You know, we can all speculate, but it comes down to him and it comes down to the club um, when it comes to the end of it. Charlie, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, Stephen, by the way, I love the work on YouTube. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Cheers, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) you can find more of uh, Stephen's YouTube what's the YouTube channel called if they want to see your beautiful face Stephen coincidentally uh, esteemed company with a K is a point you can go and find that which is why there's such a Vincent Company love it (laughs) going on at the moment Uh, let's talk about another City player whose future at the club doesn't look quite so bright at the moment because once more, more we're coming into a new week and we're talking about another player potentially leaving the City Youth Academy, Rabi mm-hmm. Matondo. Looks like he could be on the way out. Reports are that there has been a bid of 11.29 million, very exact amount, <laughs> no, 11.29 yeah. million pound accepted and from Schalke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think he's going? Is that And why is he going? Why is there another promising player that Pep has been bigging up for, well, the last couple of months particularly? We've had some nice comments from Pep about him, but he could be out the door. Part of gold in the Bundesliga, isn't he, essentially, at the moment? Um, this one, for me... It is a definite blow in terms of like he's a very promising young player. We signed him a couple of years ago, and I remember uh, getting quite excited when we signed him, given the hype that was around him. Um, he was seen as the hot thing, essentially coming from Wales. Uh, we got him from Cardiff, and um, he's just such an explosive player, really fast, really skillful. Uh, I saw his under 18s debut, and he was just running past people for fun, scores mm. goals, very tricky. And obviously, he's seen this kind of exodus of young British talent to Germany, and think Frank, he thinks he basically he wants a bit of that. And given the fact that he's playing the Checker J Trophy now and done really well and he's in, even made his like full Wales debut uh, it's, it's a really weird trend now where we're seeing young lads uh, uh, play for the national team more than they're playing mm-hmm. for the first team like Ampadu's doing it for Chelsea every now and then Matt Smith and other City youngsters done it Ravi Matando's played for Wales and not Manchester City uh, so he probably thinks I can go over there and do something uh, and I don't blame him he wants to follow in the likes of uh, Reese Nelson and Jaden Sancho and a few others Luckman did well last year as well and Callum Hudson-Odoi as well exactly yeah going to Bayern allegedly <laughs> but this one to me He's actually sitting getting it right because they're going to sell him. But this time, instead of um, I've heard different things in terms of someone said they're going to sell him for eight million. Someone said eleven million. But the eight million one I heard was that we'd sell him for a lesser fee, but then essentially have like a, a thirty million euros buyback clause. Right. So essentially, we'd lose about twenty million quid if we bought him back. But when you look at the price that we paid for Leroy Sane like two three years mm. ago, that was like forty million. Then Mares was sixty million. Essentially, what we could be doing is paying a twenty million development fee for a couple of years for a player that, if he reaches potential, is a genuinely probably a bargain you know so this one to me is kind of weighted in the right way really interesting idea because the idea when players get loaned out to these clubs they don't seem to develop as well as when they make these early transfers maybe because they don't feel settled maybe because they don't feel part of the setup maybe the club don't have the same faith yeah that's really interesting that if you sign a player and have a buyback then that actually accelerates their development in some way. Money, isn't it? All down to money at the end of the day, I guess, essentially. Um, and they'll, they'll feel part of the club. The player will settle there thinking they could leave, but it's their future. And there's no none of this kind of like... 
I think this is one of the reasons why Chelsea have been affected with their loanies over the years because there's a, there's a comfort blanket of knowing that if they don't do well on loan at Vitesse or wherever they're mm. going to go they come back to Chelsea and they know they'll be on loan somewhere else the next year <laughs> but the big side is that should be blocked they shouldn't be able to mm. stockpile young players I, I agree entirely as they're, 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 they're signing from, you know, from Cardiff City Cardiff City should have a very young talented individual that's playing for Cardiff not playing for Manchester City that's going to get sold to the Bundesliga and I think that's something that not even just the English football that is a global thing yeah. that needs to be dealt with that oh, stockpiling well. it, it's, yeah. it it's the wrong thing to do because like you mentioned the development isn't there because you look you've got too many players what we're seeing now though is actually quite um, quite a progressive way of thinking people are saying these kids are being impatient and arrogant I actually think they're just being ambitious if I'm being honest and what they're mm. seeing now is we're seeing young lads come to the city at 15, 16 they're going through that scholarship contract of two years and then they're thinking right I've had a stellar education genuinely I've trained with Guardiola because the 18s get called up all the time to make up the number they're having two years there and they probably are better players than they were when they joined and then they're moving on at that crucial period and I don't blame them really I'd be doing the same if I said like it makes a lot of sense and we're seeing uh, uh, him leaving even there's a young lad called Noah Ohio who's like mm. under 16 who's scoring two free goals again at the moment he's allegedly being tapped up by a German club as well now already <laughs> so Is it a shift of mentality needed by fans in that case where they need to look at these players coming through the academy that get on the fringes of the first team squad as part of a business, the Manchester City Academy, which is generating an income rather than a way to produce the next generation of players. No, it's the generating players, and that's what it should be for. An academy is for players for your first team. But that's that, what it that, is. But that isn't the case. Okay, so, so, you know, one of the, the most interesting stats that I've had in, in recent days, league goals scored by academy graduates this season. Manchester City, zero goals. Liverpool, one goal. Chelsea, three goals. Arsenal, three goals. Manchester United, 20 goals. And that's it. United are, but a player that's come through the academy that's, like Jadon Sancho would be getting that City team right now. Jadon Sancho is in ridiculous form. Only Messi and Eden Hazard have more assists in Europe. But you wouldn't necessarily that Manchester United have more faith in their academy than any of those other teams, the, would Jim, you? the stats, the stats differ with that. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's skewed by one player largely, isn't it? I mean, one dominant player, but you've also got Lingard in there. There's, you know, there's a lot of players coming through. Ollie mentioned in his, his last press conference that like, sort of Ethan Laird's going to get a game before the end of the season. Tith Chong, you know, Jimmy Garner. Mm. This is exciting times for Manchester United, but... There's as equally talented players at City and at Chelsea that yeah. aren't, and it's I share Dave's frustration. But weirdly, at the same time, when I get frustrated by the Matondo thing, we've actually seen Eric Garcia get praised to the high heavens by Guardiola. He is playing them. He's played like three games this season, which for a seventeen-year-old, uh, is that's fantastic. You know, given the centre back options you've got, and then Mjoric is playing plenty of games, and then Foden. So some lads are actually getting some game time. Probably. In, well, Garcia will be involved a lot more next season, but it's not like fully abandoned. It's mm. maybe not used as much as it could be. I still think the intention is to bring young players through, but I think they're also being a little bit more realistic and selling earlier than later. And I think that's probably sensible. We're going to have to put a pin in this topic. I'm going to have to. I've got one go more on, question that on, I wanted Dan. to ask. Go, on, go for Dan. it. Yeah, go for so, it. So, do you think with the likes of, of Garcia, is that favouritism from Pep Guardiola? Is that good? Is that good? Yeah, but the so same with Jaden Sancho. Uh, say Jaden Sancho uh, left by his arguably own, better. He been, yeah, he would have been involved. Uh, I think he would have been involved. Ironically, is that because Pep knows this guy? Uh, knows he's from Catalonia. Knows he's a, he's a Barcelona graduate. Can he trust him more? No, he used um, he used Foden and he used Brahim as well to an extent. Foden played what got, ninety odd minutes or whatever it was in the Premier yeah, League. But he's there. Oh, he's there. Appearances. Yeah, he's there. But Pep trusts him. Obviously, <laughs> he obviously wants to be involved. Uh, and none of this stuff, Dave. You're trying to get a reaction out of me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right, we will put a pin in there. We need to talk about Manchester. United and their manager situation Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doing himself no harm at all in the manager stakes at the moment win after win after win whilst Mauricio Pochettino's season seems to be falling down around his ears he's gone all spursy <laughs> do you think Ole is doing himself a favour with the managerial position should he be the next boss 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five is the number also I need to apologise to Lee on Twitter who says never ever compare John Terry or put him in the same bracket as Vincent Company. <laughs> I, I apologise for that. John Terry... What's Terry's degree in, like, yeah, eating crayons or something? Right, but the right, man's won the Champions League, shush, though. Shush now. <laughs> 87711 if you want to get in touch. 03451716625 on the phone, and we'll do it next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. 
Hello, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. I'm, of course, that man Dave. I'm joined by Steve and Jim, as always, on a Monday. Of course, you want to check out this as a podcast. It is available after the show. If you want to get involved, uh, 0345 is the number to call. If you want to text in 87711, we are now going to move on to the biggest debate at Manchester United. That is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer versus Maurizio Pochettino. Since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has taken over as Manchester United manager, he's got more points than Pochettino, he's got more wins in all competitions, more league wins, he's conceded less goals and of course has a less cup exits. We're going to move on to a caller. We've got a caller now. Uh, Adam, I do believe. Adam, could you hear us? Yeah, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. So we want to weigh into this debate right now. Are you going to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer next season or Maurizio Pochettino? I think when um, it was first announced that um, Ole was going to come in as the temporary boss, um, I thought that it was going to be a situation where he'd just sort of settle things down and hopefully try and salvage as much as he could. Um, but I think at the time it seemed like a, a logical choice to get someone like Pochettino in because he's got more experience at the kind of level that we need. Um, so, you know, I was obviously deep in my heart, you know, I've, I've been a United fan since I was little and I remember everyone talks about, you know, the, the, that goal in, in the final and what a great player he was um, back in the day. So, uh, you know, there was a part of me that was hoping that they'd be able to keep him on, but as time goes on, um, it just seems like he's building such an amazing case for him to, to, to stay exactly where he is. Um, I think over the past couple of weeks, if you'd have asked me, uh, I would have said, you know, I think more than likely he's not necessarily the right man for the job. But now um, he seems like the perfect guy. He's done such a fantastic job. I think, your, I think your opinion here, Adam, is exactly how a lot of United fans felt when he came in. They were kind of like, some people even said he was a distraction by the board. He was trying to bring a bit of feel-good factor before they brought in the new regime that's coming. And there is no doubt that when you look at those players on the pitch, they are more of a team than they were under Jose Mourinho. They seem to be enjoying playing football more. But do you see anything else, say, for example, tactically, that makes you think Solskjaer is the man to continue in this role? Um, I think that was definitely one of the big question marks over his head. Um, whether or not he could, you know, get the tactics right in order to uh, win big games. And, you know, the, the game against Arsenal and against Spurs, he got it spot on. Spurs, we were hanging on definitely towards the end. You know, David, uh, David, David De Gea did really save our hides in that match. And it's not, it's not the first time that he's done that. But um, I think, you know, against the Arsenal game, he was, he got it absolutely bang on. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a big game coming up, obviously, against PSG in the Champions League. Um, I'm sure he's already started doing his homework for that one. Um, he's going to go into that game making sure that he's prepared tactically and, and the, the team is, is as prepared as they can be. And I, I don't think you can really ask for more than that. You know, what if we were to bring in somebody like Pochettino or something, what are they going to do differently from, from what Ollie's already doing? I think that's a big thing. You know, you take PSG as a great example. Yeah, United need to do their research. And what we've seen from Ollie is, look, he's beaten uh, a very good... Uh, you know, this is it, Arsenal team this weekend. And I really think with that, you know, you're looking at Neymar is now injured. Verratti is out injured. Adam, do you think if Solskjaer does beat PSG, that we're going to see this flip now where everyone will be behind Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taking over as manager next season? Possibly, but I mean, as well, that's only like the first hurdle, isn't it? Mm. You know, yeah, great. If, if he manages to get us through that that round and into the next one, then people aren't necessarily expecting us to get there. But then who are you going to be facing um, in the next round as well? So if he manages to get to get past them, and then you know he's getting us into like a, a semi-final, for example. Yep. Um, that would be just amazing if, if he could if he could manage to, to, to get us that far. I think 
if we're thinking about getting to the final and possibly winning it, I think that's a bit unrealistic. But if he could get us as far as the semis, that's where a, a, a club like United we, we're expecting to, to to be, you know, or where at least where we used to expect to be. Adam, cheers for coming on, mate. Really appreciate that. If you want to get involved, it's oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five. That's the number to call with Pochettino. He's had a bad run at the moment, and I guess the. What's the word? Pigeons have come home to roost? Is that the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, you mean about? injuries have come home to roost? I think is yeah. that, you know, you're looking at Kane, Ali, Ben oh, Davis is now team. out. Isn't it harsh to judge him on what's happened at Spurs over the last few weeks? And the no, results that come in? sorry, but the team he played yesterday, <laughs> uh, the weekend was pathetic. Like, he threw that game. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't a great it, team it was, selection. He came out with this absolute classic Spursy line, which is, um, <laughs> it's kind of, Steve gives his conscience. He said, trophies only build ego. For one, how the hell does he know? He never wins any, and two, that's such a negative way of looking at it. Mm. I remember the moment when City won so the FA Cup. So he's actively avoiding trophies, just, so the like, players don't get egos. Is that, is that his argument? Out, yeah. <laughs> smart, very smart. Keep them grounded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I remember when City won the FA Cup under Mancini, and that was a watershed moment for us because the mentality changed. Mm. And you have to win trophies. Fans love it. It gives you an arrogance that you actually need. You need arrogance in football because mm. that's why teams are scared of you. And to me, as United, if I was a United fan, for one, as a United fan, I'd be like, I'd be worried by that. You know, seeing that kind of quote if you were after him because that to me shows he's not like focused on what the, the main aim of football is in the first place it is to win trophies yeah. I don't get that quote it's just so weird it's very strange I wouldn't worry too much United fans though because I reckon there was a sign in the press conference earlier today from Solskjaer ahead of the game on Tuesday night that he might be sticking around he already might have his eyes on that full time manager's job have a listen to his answer to this question so he was asked in the press conference about whether he was going to be giving any of the younger players in his squad a run out in the next few weeks but I think there's a sign that, that he hinted at something else in this take a listen we have quite a few talents in that uh, youth team that you you'd like to see and you probably will see uh, at some point uh, before before next season because that's what it's about now for me as well to put the club and to put the team in a good position when at the end of the season now how do we look like what do we look like next season uh, and Mason, Jimmy Garner, Ethan, uh, there's quite a few in that reserve team that do well. It's just about the right time. Uh, we've got players now, you've got Alexis, Rom, Juan, who didn't play against the, or haven't played so much lately. They're three players you've got to jump ahead of as well, uh, and they are quality, and we're here for to get results as well. Did you just say then that you're planning for next season? Yeah, like what Man United are going to look like next season. Uh, with or without me, that, uh, it doesn't really matter because I'm here now to, uh, as part of that, to prepare the team for next season. Bit of pa- backpedalling there at the end. <laughs> but is he planning for how his Manchester United team is going to look next season, Dave? Yeah, of course. Why not? You know, you've got to blood these young players. I think the big one of the big questions in terms of position for United is on that right wing. Lingard's done really well since Ollie took over, but you've got a player like Jong, that's a wonderful, wonderful, mm. talented, inverted winger that could come and really do the business for Manchester United out there. So he's one player. You've got, you know, Gomez, who's already had a little bit of a run out for him. Jimmy Garner in midfield. Like, it's exciting. I think that's the biggest thing. It's kind of like going back to the days where you expect United to bring young players through and you expect them to get minutes Ethan Laird as well as a very talented young fullback so United are kind of future proof in the club and you see the big teams in Europe the Juve's the Bayern's you just look at their how they do that how they do you know Callum hudson is Bayern future proofing themselves for the next 10 years and again I like that from Manchester United and I can appreciate what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is saying because he gets the club and that's the I think that is the biggest thing of, of anything that we've seen so far is he understands Manchester United and that is one of the biggest reasons why he should get the job next season and he could become the first manager in Premier League history to win the first seven Premier eight. League games eight, is eight in a row he beats yeah. Burnley tomorrow night who obviously were beaten by City 5-0 at the weekend we'll talk about that game and City's game against Newcastle very shortly but first I want to welcome Gary Berkeley onto the show because there is a team in Manchester a brand new team we've been tracking the progress of over the past couple of weeks they're called Follow FC Follow stands for For Our Lost Little Ones it's a team in Manchester that's for grieving dads to help get over the loss of their children it's a bit of male bonding on a football pitch to kind of counteract depression and like, like I say, help them move on with their lives. And this weekend, it all got a bit serious. All the planning and plotting finally resulted in some balls being kicked in anger at the very first official training session of Follow 
FC and Gary Berkeley's on the phone to tell us how it went. Evening, but Gary. Good evening, gents. How are you doing? Very well. So how's it feel to actually see some of your guys kicking a football around after all the days planning? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It really is. It's fantastic how, uh, how everybody's reached out, to be fair, you know, and reached out to the project in general. And as I've said previously, you know, it's, um, it's, it's hard to deal with something so tragic um, and you feel as though you're on your own, you know, uh, and well, yeah, you do. You just feel yeah. generally on, on your own and there's, and there's nobody else out there going through this. Although there is, at the time, you just feel like there isn't. And it was absolutely amazing just to see um, how many, you know, how, how many dads are going through the same sort of pain, to be honest. And I never realised um, that there were so many so local. Uh, and, you know, I, when it all happened, I wanted the world, I wanted the floor to swallow me up and... Um, yeah, you know, you just don't know where to turn. So I had this bright spark idea of uh, setting up a football team. And here we are, Follow FC is born. When you all got together on Sunday night, I think it was your first training session, I'm interested, because obviously you always have this massive shared experience that's brought you together, you've all lost your children at some point. Yeah. What was that like when you all got together on a pitch for the first time was it just like any group of lads getting together or did the boys kind of open up start talking to each other start sharing those experiences well what it is Jim uh, well you know previously we've um, obviously I've had a, a whatsapp group going for a, a number of weeks now um, where I created it once I put the post out for the team on Facebook you know I was to, to see what interest I had um, the boys came forward um, and then obviously I took the numbers, put them in a WhatsApp group. So a lot of us have spoke about our experiences mm. via the WhatsApp group, to be fair. Um, but also yesterday at the training up at Curzon Ashton, who've, who have fantastically, actually, by the way, I must mention, taken us on board and, and you know, really thrown us in the right direction. Um, but yeah, when we arrived at the pitch yesterday evening, it was just, it was fantastic. And, you know, there was lads there that we've not met yet. And, you know, they've not met each other because we have been going to Saturday games at Curzon, um, introducing ourselves to people slowly. And But not everybody can make it. You know, we have players coming from Rochdale. We have players coming from Accrington, St. Helens. So it's not always um, ideal for them to be able to come, you know, twice in one weekend over this way to Thameside sort of thing. But um, it, it was just... It was amazing to get ch to get chatting yesterday, and and also to the uh, to the mums, you know, wives and girlfriends of these lads. They all came to su to show their support also, and it was really good to see those lot talking as well. You know, so it's not only us boys though, that have come together. Yes. It's it's, cre it's created a whole new family. It really has. It's a great thing, Gary, and we're going to keep tabs on your progress as the weeks go on and as you edge towards your very first game, but your first training session's under your belt from a footballing point of view. Have you got your eyes on your star strikers and who's going to be a liability at the back? Who, do you know who's who yet? Have you sussed it out? <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think me and Neil, Neil Jackson, as you know, you know, you know Neil very yeah. well. Um, he's, he's a fantastic, absolutely brilliant coach. You know, he really, really pushed about paces yesterday, so I'm feeling a little bit worse for wear today now. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we had a vigilant eye on the on a few on a few of them. That, you know, it was all about fun yesterday. It was just about getting together. But with a view to the future, we do actually have a game on the twenty third of March um, versus another great group of uh, lads actually who we sort of like introduced ourselves to last night, which is uh, Infinity Initiative FC. They're another group of lads who are, who are supporting mental health in men. So that's going to be our first game up at Curs and Ashton um, on the 23rd. We will keep you updated with the times and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, we definitely will do. Um, so, you know, things are definitely going in the right direction. Um, but yeah, yesterday it was just about the fun. But I think we're now, with a view to the future, me and Neil are going to sit down and start talking names, I think. Top man, top <laughs> man. Within the next couple of weeks. Gary, keep us up to date with what you're doing. And if you want to find out more about Follow FC, they are FC underscore follow on Twitter. We'll speak soon, Gary. Cheers, mate. That's correct. Thank you very much. Good evening, boys. Cheers, Right, man. we're going to preview the games tomorrow night and have a brief look back at the weekend's games next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 
Manchester Football Social. Hello there, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. We've got about 15 minutes left for you to get your calls in and get involved if you want to look forward to Manchester United's game against Burnley or even look back at it because uh, we've got loads to talking to do on that front. 0345 7625 and you can get involved in text on 87711. My name's Stephen, I'm in the studio with Jim as ever and Statman Dave and we've got uh, Nat on the phone from the Burnley podcast No Nay Never. Hello Nat. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Did you enjoy uh, City's uh, victory? <laughs> Sorry, I had to what do you think, Steve? <laughs> you know what? I'm sick of coming to Manchester now. I'm done. I'm not coming to this city ever again. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I apologise on the behalf of Pep right, there for worry. you. But, Nat, do you reckon... It's been a tough season for Burnley, obviously, after last season's highs. Uh, do you think... It's not going to get any easier, obviously, because you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's United coming. Do you think you're going to fare any better with this game? No. absolutely not look this isn't a game that our season's defined as and you know people are all talking about a tough season for Burnley the reality is this is a regular season for Burnley last season was an anomaly Um, all the stars aligned for us and we had a fantastic season and a fantastic end to it but the practical reality is is that more seasons are going to be a relegation dogfight that's that's what it is outside the top six Um, away at Old Trafford is not going to define our season at all we'll go we'll try and be competitive we'll probably lose but we've got a far bigger game at home to Southampton on Saturday and that is the reality outside the top six I'm afraid Surely you expect some kind of reaction though when you've been beaten 5-0 <laughs> by whatever team it is you want your team to pick themselves up and put in a, a fight in the next game don't you? I do but look it's going to be a completely different team that plays tomorrow night Dyke put a lot of his development squad and a lot of the reserve squad out on, on Saturday on the basis that he knew that even if he put his full strength side out we probably would get beat especially with the ridiculous and quite frankly uncalled for starting lineup that Pep put out there <laughs> the guy just wants to win uncalled. everything he's a bully isn't he no need <laughs> no respect no need. But you know what? With the team he put out, we were never going to. to we were going to struggle. So Dyche was selfish and used it as an opportunity to rest some key players for the league and give some game time to some of the chaps that are coming back from injury. Um, so it won't be the same. Won't be the same side on Tuesday. Now the side that does play tomorrow night is on the back of three wins against relegation um, strugglers and absolutely robbed of a, a three points away at Watford. So it could have been four out of four. So yeah, they will be more confident. So it won't be a complete walkover like Saturday was. But you know. Solskjaer's got them playing really well and they're absolutely they've, they've got that United swagger back haven't they so I'm, I'm going with zero expectations and anything on top is a bonus Now I feel a bit bad because I think Burnley were the perfect team to come uh, to United at the first half of the season under that former Portuguese <laughs> manager to really cause us problems but now it looks like we're opening teams up like Burnley Oh yeah you're welcome it's great <laughs> We're usually quite accommodating with things like that, so you can have that one. You know, we've been really unlucky this season on so many levels, and every single time we've gone to, to like Southampton, we'd rather have played Southampton a month ago than this Saturday yeah. when they're suddenly all playing well again. I'm like, come on, anybody help us out anywhere? No, I think Burnley have, have changed their sort of season around. Obviously, it was a bad start, a good sort of you know Europa League. It was you know nice for you, for the Burnley fans to get on the road and, and visit some of Europe. Obviously, it went to Scotland, which is a bit unfortunate for one of the ties, but it's nice to see. Burnley Burnley and Sean Dyche improving as, as, a, as a performance. Which player would you say for Burnley can cause United some problems? Uh, Dwight McNeil, our new winger, is having an absolutely fantastic... Well, I say new winger. He's one of the, the lads that's come through the youth ranks and has absolutely burst into the side this season. He got given an opportunity down to some injuries to pretty much all of our wide men and has really taken that opportunity. He's a really class player. He is only 19 still, so don't expect... Um, you know, wonderful things. But I think you'll be impressed with him when you see him. He's probably the best amount of, of creativity we've got in the side. And Ashley Barnes is always trouble. Um, Premier League defenders hate playing against him because he's, he's a good old-fashioned forward and he, he gets about a bit. And, and you know, it's hard work and he's a nuisance. So I expect some creativity from McNeil and some good old-fashioned elbow grease from Ashley Barnes. Nat, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. That's Nat from No Nay Never, the fantastically named Burnley podcast. The side that Pep put out against Burnley was insane, wasn't it? That is a man that takes every single game of football as seriously as he can possibly take it.
Um, yeah, but then again, our squad is that good that there's still loads of great players on the bench that it didn't play. You've only got to look at the likes of the bench, which is, I've never seen anything like it. We had Sterling, Aguero, Laporte, Sane, David Silva, then possibly one of the most young, gifted players in the world in Phil Foden on that bench. So we still rested players, and even then, we had a team that still had the likes of Fernandinho, Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva, um, and Kevin De Bruyne, of course. So... We did actually rotate. It's just, it's that good a squad. It's very bad news for Newcastle, who are Manchester City's yeah. next opposition tomorrow night. And we're going to be very quick on this. We'll do a full match preview tomorrow night on the Manchester City Football Social, which is on this channel or the podcast from six o'clock. But we're going to speak to Lee very quickly, who is from Newcastle United Fan TV. Evening, Lee. Hi, lads. How are you saying? Is that right? Very good. How are you, are you feeling any way optimistic about tomorrow night? It's been a horrible season for Newcastle. And is it going to only get worse against City? Absolutely no chance of getting anything on Tuesday night. <laughs> it's going to be a good old Mourinho tactic. Park the bus. No, no offence to Dave there. But <laughs> it is going to be that. It's going to be horrible to watch. It's going to be... It, I think it's a case of when City score, when they break down that park bus effectively and... Look, this isn't a big game for Newcastle and you just need to get this out of the way. But Spurs on Saturday, that's another difficult one. And then we can start looking at maybe getting results elsewhere. But to City win all over, isn't it? <laughs> the atmosphere at Newcastle at the moment, what's it like being in the stands? Because we've had this rumour about ownership change floating around over the transfer window, as it seems to every transfer window. Is it just more smoke and mirrors? Is there actually any light at the end of the tunnel from Newcastle and you can once again reach that promised land we talk about the potential of Newcastle United a lot but it all seems to be bubbling around chaos at the moment more than actually anything happening on the pitch well, the, the, win after, the win against Cardiff 3-0 lifted the spirits but for me on the weekend going out to Watford Rafa has got to, I've got to point the finger a little bit at Rafa because he put out a weekend side and we we don't win trophies but at least give us something to have a run in a cup competition. So you're three points the above the relegation time, zone, Lee. Can't you see the logic there that he doesn't want to risk any players in a cup run? Although fans love a cup run, but surely your priority is staying in the Premier League, isn't it? Is it though? We haven't won a trophy for 50 years. That's a joke. A club like Newcastle. 50 goddamn years. But look, the mood of Newcastle at the moment, I could go on and on and on. I could be here for hours talking about my Ashley. And obviously, I know you're running out of time, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I could go on and on. I'll put it politely, he's not wanted at the club. <laughs> Simple delivery there. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel anywhere, Lee? Well, is the takeover happening? Is it not? I think, personally, it's a smoke screen. I think Rafa will stay at the end of the season. I think he'll keep it up. And then we'll shake his hand and say, thank you very much, Rafa. You've done amazing for us. You know, and I think once Rafa leaves... I think the summer will be hell on. I think it'll be chaos. I think it'll be toxic. <laughs> wow. I really do. Lee, good luck. I think Newcastle are one of those clubs that most neutral fans would really like to see stay in the Premier League. A big club with, yeah. <laughs> as we say, huge potential. <laughs> but cheers come on, mate. I really appreciate that. No worries. Good night, lads. Cheers, cheers Lee. Lee. The big thing, Steve, about tomorrow night for me and City and United both have reasonably straightforward fixtures you'd think on the face of it he says tempting fate but for City <laughs> the big thing for them is Liverpool don't play till Wednesday yes we play first for the first time in ages is it's that nice. an advantage? yeah of course it is definitely because we get to um, we get to go to a game that a ground sorry that we've been winning at since like 2004 something like that so essentially oh don't say that yeah no which is terrifying <laughs> but it, it's still a technically true so please I hope you're an omen but in general um, we're going to win hopefully we're going to win there and that could put pressure on Liverpool and it's nice to actually see it on them for once like I said it'll be a full match preview tomorrow on the Manchester City Football Social that is it from us we've got tunes on the way next but thank you very much Dave cheers buddy thank you very much Steve cheers Jim and we'll see you tomorrow night from 6 Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you liked it, please hit subscribe so you get the next show as soon as it's ready. And if you're a City fan or a United fan, there are now separate channels for your podcasts. Manchester City Football Social, Manchester United Football Social, depending on who you follow. So we were playing a game before. <laughs> it's the worst game ever. Playing the game before the podcast. Guess which 90s football. We're going to do this every week, by the way. Oh, until you get I can't it. wait. Is uh, it like you guess, got 10 questions? Uh, no. No, oh. you just have to guess. <laughs> okay. Guess which 90s. Do you think we could do questions? Guess which 90s footballer <laughs> I'm thinking of? Barry Venison. No. Oh. John Hartson. No. 
What position was he? He did play for a club that John Hartson played for. Oh, nice. He was a centre midfielder, potentially an attacking centre midfielder. Trevor Sinclair? No. He was a winger. He did play for... Frank Lampard? No, but you're you're at the right team. (laughs) I can read you like a book, Jim. I know exactly where you're going. Do you? So he's a Chelsea player? No. He said Lampard. Oh, West Ham. West Ham. Oh, it's Joe Cole, isn't it? Played for Liverpool? Um, Played for West Ham twice? Oh, Oh, blank, blank. Paul Ince? No. No. no, it was a horrific Patrick Berger. <laughs> Patrick Berger. No, Not he Patrick was. Berger. You both West Ham. I'll put you out of your misery, shall I? Don Hutchinson. Don Hutchinson. Oh, oh yeah. Was the, oh. So you guess the 90s football player is a really difficult Boo. game. Really difficult game. But the reason I wanted to mention Don them, Hutchinson, because I did want to talk. I know I, I don't get to talk about, I'm a West Ham fan, in case you didn't know. Oh, yes. And I don't get to talk about West Ham very often on the show, because it's a Manchester <laughs> football show. But this is the podcast. It's a little bonus. I just wanted a little bit of a rant about West Ham did oh, you I know see this is going. the Wimbledon West Ham game at the weekend AFC Wimbledon versus West Ham and we had Lee on the show earlier talking about how it is important for Newcastle to win a trophy it's been well West Ham have won one trophy since I've been alive the World Cup <laughs> since I've been alive obviously won the World Cup obviously. 1966 West Ham trophy right so won the FA Cup once and I was much too young to remember it back then but I want a cup run I want to get into finals as a West Ham fan and the way West Ham approached that game against AFC Wimbledon I think was verging on disgusting from a fan's point of view. It wasn't that the wrong team was selected by Pochettino because I think he probably selected 11 first team players you have to argue that it was the approach of the players do you think that's, that, that was game. the issue for you so you know Wimbledon absolutely stung you yeah. they looked like they were a team they looked like they were ready for it they came out at a million hours yeah. is that the big thing so you think Pellegrini is to blame over some of these players no, no, I said, that are a little bit I hot and cold Pellegrini played, called it perfectly the team that he put out should have beaten Wimbledon it, it was all down to the players and it's that old football cliche of the Wimbledon team wanted it more yeah. and I don't know whether it was that this Arnautovic situation with him leading the, leaving the club and threatening to go away and ending up with a better contract what, what's your take on that people? Jim because that, that's again that's another frustration for West Ham fans is that look you've got a player that's supremely talented that's doing the bits for West Ham an unknown Chinese co- club comes in or name sorry comes in big offer of money and Arnautovic literally waves goodbye double handed waves goodbye to the West Ham fans and now he's just signed a new deal I think it's a difficult one isn't it because as a football fan, you want the best players at your club. But also, as a football fan, you want players at your club. We talked about Vinnie Company that earlier. Yeah. That want to be at your club. That yeah. kind of love the club. And it's quite clear I'm now that Arnautovic that isn't team. one of those players. The team that you played against Wimbledon. It's just it's, it's, it's a decent team. It yeah. should have been comfortable. You've got like Ogbonna, Masuaka, Noble, Hernandez, Carroll, Snodgrass, Antonio. This is genuinely a strong team. How has that happened? They should be genuinely ashamed of themselves. Because they didn't care and they didn't yeah. want it. And it might have been complacency, like I say, or it might have been that the Arnautovic thing has ruffled a few feathers. They're like, well, he's got a better contract now. Why should we be stepping <sighs> up a gear? Or does it Footballers. show you the important of Declan, the importance of Declan Rice? It could also maybe that's the that. thing. I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't be four two against Wimbledon important though, should oh, it? Really, dear. it's like a, it shouldn't. Like, <laughs> they are bottom of League One. I know there's, there's levels there, and West Ham. <laughs> that that was be... my Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday night anyway, ruined. That's my rant. That's my uh, getting it off my chest for a little bit. So thank you very much for tolerating that. I mm. thought we'd have a quick look at the FA Cup draw, which is happening now as we speak. How's it going? Is there, has there been any news on that front? You know it's uh, set oh, to start in 20 minutes, we, we unfortunately. Can't hang around no. 20 minutes. <laughs> well, we need some more guest footballers then. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll draw a close to this, and you'll have to download the next Manchester Football Social if you're listening on the podcast, which is Wednesday night, where there will be full reaction to both teams' FA Cup draw and the Manchester City Football Social, which is out Tuesday night. We'll obviously have reaction to the Manchester City side of that draw. We will see you then. Subscribe to the podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. When we talk about quitting smoking... When my first child was born, for them... Obviously money. We talk about why so much. Health for myself. My family. I'm a mom. It becomes part of the habit. The smell of my clothes. You've already talked about why you want to quit. So let's start talking about how. If you stop smoking for 28 days, you're five times more likely to quit for good. For tips, tools and real support, visit quit.ie or free phone 1-800-201-203 and make the next stop your last stop from the HSE.